Hey, what's going down? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. Heading home after a busy afternoon at the office. Yes, very rewarding, very jovial, very... uh, fulfilling experience at Healthy Balance Chiropractic. There's a lot of good people. You care about them. They care about you. You take, tell some freaking stories. Have some laughs. Get some good music going. Try to help people, you know. As I was leaving, first of all, it's 22 degrees. It's fucking freezing out there. But, uh, happy to be heading home. Get a good meal in me. Get some good rest tomorrow. <clears throat> kick ass and take names until about 3 o'clock at which time I'm heading on over to my friend's house they have a trailer full of pine for me that I'm going to get to work on as soon as I'm able because I got a shitload of orders I got an order for three bunny rabbits for Easter a heart that is personalized a Another Groot, two turtles. There's a lot of carbon that needs to be done. And I enjoy all of it, so I can't wait. It's gonna be a little fucking cold. I might have to head out to the the shed this weekend. Get a little space heater in there, take refuge in there. Or suffer frostbite. Last weekend I was out there all snuggled up and it was still pretty painful. But rewarding. Yeah. Hey, check it out. So I have some thoughts over the past couple days, had some conversations with folks. Trying to link some some different subject matters. Had some really good stimulating conversations with people. Um, about behaviors uh, and, and how intertwined they can be. Human behaviors. It's one of my favorite subject matter. Here, I'm going to turn my heat up in the car here. Get that going. So, human behaviors, the way people interact, the way that our children uh, respond to us, and think about your experiences growing up and the narrative that you have about your life. Like a lot of us, for instance, we recount those, old, those olden days. As you approach midlife, 45 years old, I'll be 46 next month, you really start pondering, like, am I born or made? Any of my successes or these things that I really, you know... Is it this really all my successes? Can they be attributed to hard work and efforts and discipline? And I think we have a narrative about where we come from and how we, we, we've come to be this particular person. I don't know if how much of that really was deliberate, you know, that is a result of our deliberate efforts. So it's interesting to think about that, to, to see our children coming up and having the same things occur, like the same subjects come up, kids start to, they're little babies, then they're toddlers, then they're little friggin', uh, next thing you know, they're, te- they're on the cusp of their teenage years, like my kids are, 
and their behaviors with school and with friends and with adults. And you see that, like I always claim that I, I don't, I haven't forgotten where I came from. What I mean by that is that I, you know, the, the same old shit that my kids are pulling, the excuses that they might give about, <clears throat> you know, whatever, not doing their best in school or interactions with their peers or their, you know, my son's had a couple girlfriends. I see, I see those experience with him, experiences with him. Uh, and his little budding romances as, you know, through my own experiences, that I was once upon a time a young man, and I always was looking for love, aren't we all? But I was, I had my heart broken a few times, I guess all of us have. It's not a gender-specific thing, but I was that kind of a nice guy, and uh, to my knowledge, I never hurt anybody, but I'm sure that I did somewhere along the line. We all have, right? hopefully without the intention of hurting anybody. But shit happens. And we live and we learn. As we grow up, we hopefully take stock in some of the lessons in our behaviors as a result of our mistakes that we all make. And try to improve. So I try to be honest about that. I try to I try to understand me, myself, and why I behave a certain way. And um, I wonder about it when I do stupid shit, or I'm, I'm making an, an error, or um, or I keep doing the same thing. I wonder how, you know, to what degree I can actually influence the course of my life. Sometimes it seems like I'm the master of, of all domains that are Aaron Oberst, and other times I feel like I, wow, I just, I might not have as much control as I thought I did. Let me pause this out, get a little something at the store here, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm back. So, human behaviors, parent and child behaviors. <clears throat> What is the tale of the tape? Am I this person of my own doing? How much of it is genetic? How much of it is the environment that I grew up in and that I was exposed to over the years? I like to consider myself a lifelong learner, and I imagine that um, all the things that I purposefully, the steps that I take with a deliberate purpose every day the podcasts I listen to the things that I read the interactions that I have I I use my imagination and I try to cobble together some kind of I know I use that phrase a lot cobble together I but I do I take all these disparate elements and I make like a collage and I add to my world, to my mind, my being, this new stuff. And I put that together with the old stuff, and I put it all up on this board, like a motivation board or a purpose board that is Aaron Oberst, Dr. O, um, Dr. Drill, 
I think of all these paths that I had taken and the experience I had in my life, and I have a pretty good memory. People will remark about that, like my, my Marine buddies will say, oh, do you remember all this shit? How do you remember all this stuff? Well, I, I do have, I've always had a strong imagination. It's very, very important to me. One of the things that's really important in my life is creativity. And I, I enjoy collecting these things. Like, you know, what does this have to do with... So, my kids, I'll ask them about their experiences in school or what's going on in their lives. I think about... And, and they'll reply, oh, it's boring, oh, same old shit. Or I found out my son is, you know, not applying himself or his grades dropped uh, in social studies. So, you know, are you paying attention? What are you doing? focus, let's go, and so, I remember myself as a struggling student, and trying to find direction in my life, trying to figure out which way to go, how to behave, what crowd to be in, and I found my people, and I had tremendous experiences that I wouldn't trade for the world, I wanted my kids to feel that way too, you know, like they collect these experiences, I mean, I think, I remember vividly going out and playing, in the community and going down to the park. Hey, is Brian, can Brian come out to play? Hey, is Russell here today? Hey, is Leanna here? We're going to go down the park. We're going to play spud or we're going to play pickup game of football, basketball, baseball. We're going to collaborate, you know, uh, chase the ice cream man. We're going to go play manhunt. We're going to go out on the bay. We're going surfing today. Such and such as mom's going to drive us to the beach. We're going to have a sleepover at John's house. I mean, it's like there's endless memories that I have you know, of things that I did when I was a boy. And I remember some of these things better than others. And, of course, I remember, I, I, <clears throat> I have these pieces of the collage on that board in priorities, you know, in order of priority and things that matter more to me or through that lens that I see the world via. I want that for my kids. I want them to be a lifelong learner. I want them to have vivid memories of the area that they... And have some sort of connection with the area that they grew up in. Like when I grew up in Forked River. And all the things we did and all the occasions that we had. And the fun and the adventure. And I want, I want to have that. So human behaviors. Parent and child. And I collect the experiences, you know, from today. I had a patient come in. He's interviewing for a job on a very high level at a local pharmaceutical company, big one. He's got to take uh, these, go to a testing center this weekend and take a psychological exam. And he keeps saying that it's, well, it's something they would give uh, lawyers, attorneys, you know, when you join a, you're going to want to join this firm, we're going to take this bank of tests and you got to, we're going to find out really, you know, how you would behave in these situations and so it's it's nerve-wracking because you want to pass so you look up the test you try to figure out how you can respond best and, and test favorably and then you got interviews so that's going on with him I got somebody else who's a fitness um, enthusiast a trainer treats a bunch of or uh, trains a bunch of people you know, that's what that's what she does for a living uh, countless people who come in 
and tell their stories and we talk about everything from their health to politics to you know the weather to music tastes to when we were growing up remember we did this and you know Stephen I was talking with somebody who's a, she's a dental assistant and a surgeon dental surgeon she's talking about somebody who uh, who had a bad a patient who had a bad substance abuse issue and all his teeth were fucked up so he just got a whole new set changed his life um, he's making a comeback and got a whole new set of veneers on his teeth and so he's got his smile back we're talking about body language and all this stuff so I love hearing these stories and I love telling stories and I love collecting all these things and having something and then reporting it you know trying to cobble it together put a collage together and try to make a relationship notice relationships between all this stuff I had a guy the other day tell me that uh, he I knew that he was an animal handler for a pharmaceutical company he is a monkey handler talking about the different types of monkeys and these ones are more aggressive and these ones are nicer and the old ones strong ones just act like they're um, they're king shit and they're they don't have to do it you know they kind of just walk softly because they know they're in charge and then the young ones they're just clueless they're scared of everything and then there's the adolescents who start to get a wild hair and they start pushing back, and then maybe they'll bite you, or they'll try to escape, or... And he's saying, well, don't connect with these monkeys. You don't want to go in there and say, coochie-coochie-coo, act like they're pets, because they have two-inch-long canines, and they can you can see their, their wheels turning when they're looking at you, when you're pulling them in or out of the cage, or doing whatever they do. I mean, I could never be an animal handler for, you know, scientific um, studies, right? Especially with another primate because we are primates my friend we are those are common ancestors we share a common ancestor us and these different types of monkeys he told me the species but I forget <clears throat> something else about monkeys and their behaviors circling back to the topic at hand you know that we are we share 97% of our DNA with monkeys things like orangutans, you know what I mean? We're like 97% of the same genetic material. That means that we are essentially the same beings. We're very close in relationship. Also, I read that we are approximately 1% smarter than these creatures. And look at how we essentially rule the world. Look at how we've shaped the world got all these different monkeys and mammals and all this shit and then look at human beings I know we don't have it all figured out but again, damn we sure have shaped this world imagine if there was a creature that was 1% smarter than homo sapiens what would that look like what would our fate look like Um, so that's interesting. Interesting. <clears throat> I saw a uh, a meme the other day that has an alien 
fucking a monkey from behind and then that monkey evolving into like a hominid uh, creature where it goes from four legs to two legs to then it becomes a human <laughs> and that's how we are the way that we are I don't see that as necessarily vulgarity I see that as like <clears throat> how did we arrive at the place that we're at <coughs> where we are the, the lone species apparently to the best of our knowledge we are the species who is advanced enough to peer at the world peer back into history and really understand like where we came from what did the building blocks of life look like what is biology and where do we come from even if we don't have it all figured out to look back in the cosmos and imagine all these various steps along the way that arrived humans at their current state enough so that we have we can go work our jobs and live our lives and listen to the stories that people tell and create these collages as we drive home in our eight cylinder uh, trucks that we pay for over time on credit and do podcasts on our cell phones right what if there was a species that was one percent smarter than us what would our lives look like so we've got the point of view of a parent and human interactions and then we've got people in the course of our, of our day little Dr. O storytellers listen, hearing people out listening about to them about their pain about their physical struggles laughing with them and putting on a soundtrack that pleases us. <clears throat> that I had a guy tell me today about a, back in the day how he was. He said he's, he used to have a Harley Davidson, and he loved that. He got that in two thousand, you know, late two thousands or whatever. And then now he's got a pinball machine, and that's that. Fic, that's his focus is restoring this pinball machine. Harley was his baby. And now he plays fucking pinball. And he's talking about... I said, whoa, that's interesting. That's quite the change. And he said, oh, yeah. Um, I used to be part of a... Uh, we talk about motorcycles, bikers. That evolved into a conversation about... He used to be... He started a van club in the 70s. And in these vans... He said he approached a guy who had a van club, and there was a lot of members. And the guy said, no, we don't, you know, where's your van? He said, oh, it's right over there. He goes, ah, we don't want you. We we custom vans. And he said, well, it's going to be a custom van. I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to make some changes. And the guy said, no, we don't, you know, you're not for us. So he started, the guy, my friend started his own van club. And I said, what are you talking about, like uh, VW buses? Vanagons, uh, mystery machine, like a Scooby-Doo kind of van, like a groovy, round windows, psychedelic uh, van, custom van. He goes, yeah, well, you know, like that. And uh, he goes, yeah, he's had captain's chairs and a, uh, he had a nice bed in the back and all these things. 
this van club he started grew and they would have these rallies like in the summer they'd all get together in this place up in the Poconos and it was like a campground they had this and it was like a family affair but after hours the adults would come out and they had much beer as you could drink and they'd eat and they'd do all this and they had these games where like they'd have a wet t-shirt contest and then, then, then the women they would just take their shirts off and then they took their panties off and then they did this game there, there was a uh, they had two flatbed trucks that would pull in and a band played on there and this is the band's name Mr. Jazz or whatever they play, the band would play and they would play music as they had this game where the uh, spouses or boyfriend girlfriends would they had a they were timed and the band would play as they would change they would change into other they had a competition who could change into their spouse's clothes fast enough you know faster than the other couples I guess so it's kind of had this weird boozed up van 70s free love sexual liberation um, post Vietnam War vibe to it he's telling me about and then there, things got really crazy and there was like somebody pulled their dick out and they, you know, hey my husband is drunk as a skunk and I need somebody to come up here so I can do this and they were like this hot chick and all these guys were running, rushing, jumping over the fence to try to get to her and then there was uh, a drummer who finally, he was selected as the guy who would make out with her or do the change your clothes thing and they called, he said, the drummer stood up and said, yeah, they call me Mr., they call me Meat. And he had a big Peter and a chick was sucking on it and giving him a hummer, as my friend said. Like, oh my God. This sounds like a crazy time that I'm sure if I lived back there, it sounded like a great thing to be a part of. <laughs> you know? I've never done anything like that, but I hear about the 70s and the way things were and free love and just there was something a vibe like something in the air like who has a van club who's part of a van club right people tell me things man so people tell me things is what it boils down to I collect these little stories and I wonder at them and it's so so interesting A van club and wet t-shirt contests yet it was a family affair all you can drink music blowjobs um, sound like a great time you know um, so that was just on the side we're again we're making these connections we're building this collage why do humans act the way they act? Why do people have the experiences that they have? Is it just chance? Is it authentic? Does it come? Does it really spring from us authentically, or is it just stuff that just happens to occur? Tendencies, human psychology, uh, groupthink. What's going on? 
why are, you know, when we look at our kids, our offspring, and we imagine the lives that they're going to have based upon the experiences that we've had, and, you know, some things, they say that the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? So, there will most certainly be trends and tendencies of human behavior as our kids grow. Well, what experience will they have? You know, I guess in closing, I have to go back to this, the behaviors that I, I am reading about. Or I told you last week or earlier in the week about the book I'm reading, The Bayman. I'm from a town that's right on the bay. And the author is describing the bay and the town that he grew up in as this small town that was just... Simple, simple people that would work the bay, many of them, and they would fish and they would harvest their shellfish, their clams, their crabs, and they would just take from the environment. And that's how they earned their living. Brought their wares to market like a farmer bringing a you know, wagon of corn or lettuce or whatever the fuck. They'd weigh their stuff and count them out and gauge them and sort them and sell them to other people uh, across the years. And then the bay changed. And the organisms, the ecosystem of the bay, it was altered by human activity. You know? Development, uh, industry, people wanting the same opportunity they want, they're looking for the same clams that you are. Chemical company sets up shop and dumps its, uh, some of its uh, byproducts of whatever chemicals it's making, dumps it into the local aquifer, spoils the bay. DDT to try to spray mosquitoes so that we can reduce the likelihood of disease. We think. Keep our crops free of critters. Well, fills up the bay, kills populations, disparate populations of, of different creatures, and just changes things. Then we kind of learn a lesson, there's regulation, the bays start to clean up, the community changes. Now you're not going to find oysters, now you're going to find hard clams. Hard clams decline, maybe this time of year you crab or you fish or you do whatever but it's interesting listening to this or, or reading this and imagining the town that I grew up in and knowing this guy some of the some of the baymen and about their lives and imagining what that small town that I grew up in had a fucking blast in and loved in my own way 20, 30, 40, 50 years later I was growing up in this town and having my own experiences. I remember some of those fish that he talks about um, or the way that the crabs would snap at you or that they would, if you had them in your, um, in your basket, 
crab basket and take them out of the trap or whatever, put them in the crab basket, pick them up in a certain way and avoid getting bitten and how aggressive some of the crabs were, their big blue claws, and how they were in the basket. You put some, some seaweed in there and that would keep them um, alive. That was the lore anyway. It would give them a little piece of home, give them a little environment, and they could survive in there for hours until you took them home and boiled them or whatever and cooked them up. But they would crackle while you're when you open up the top of that wicker basket or that reed basket. You would hear the crabs making noise like crackles or pops and they were foaming at the mouth, some of them. They're talking to each other. And so this guy, he's writing in the 70s, I think, as he wrote this book, I believe. He's dead now. He said, you know, he he would wonder why he would go out on the bay and that there would be a mother load of crabs on one particular day. And the next day he'd be like, oh shit, I got tomorrow's gonna be a busy day. Go get more of those crabs, and the crabs were gone. I mean, gone. You take the boat, drag for crabs, however they catch them, they would go out there and they they wouldn't they wouldn't be nowhere to be found. I mean, huge populations. If you can imagine thousands of crabs crawling along the bottom, they're gone now. And then weeks later, somebody would run upon these crabs somewhere else because they're communicating with one another. They're chattering just like human beings do. They're playing the hand they're dealt out there in their environment, and we are this big king shit um, homo sapiens that is just taken all we can. Taking as many crabs or clams or whatever resources we can. It's almost never enough, right? We, we, we take as much as we can for that day to make as much money as we can and do as much work as we can to get the greatest possible benefit. And then we go to sleep. Whatever. Have a couple beers, start a family. I think about all this. I think about this world that we that we inhabit and all the things that I've just spoken about. I mean, I connect all that stuff. I'm a tortured soul in that respect. Perhaps making these collages thinking about all these different things and collecting them and being amused. But listen, I mean, this is what I consider living. You imagine, I, I know that everybody's got imagination, but to be able to try to connect these things or find the common ground or wonder about how one species, a monkey, that is used for pharmaceutical fucking trials or crabs in a pot or fish in the bay or just an ecosystem, a body of water that is alive with grass and fish and shellfish and people and plankton, you know, there's creatures large and small and how that's, a, that's an environment 
that it's not always going to be thriving, you know what I mean? Like, we can fuck it up. Sometimes we behave as human beings. Gosh. I mean, for all, look, all the wonderful, amusing stories and all these stories today, uh, I got a lot of great people in my life. I'm fortunate for that. So I, I'm when I'm giving adjustments and doctoring for people, I'm listening to their stories. That's a big part of the treatment. You know, is hearing people, what they have to say, and telling my own stories, and just having that exchange. That is the fucking tremendous thing that I really treasure. I think as long as we're telling stories, and and making stories of our own, writing chapters, I think we're good to go. But when we stop making our own story, our own narrative, you know, it's got to have basis, some basis in fact. There's a lot of people that are just just making shit up these days and just believing anything. But I'm just saying, it, it makes me wonder at the world in a positive way. And then you drive through the world and you... You arrive home close to 9 o'clock at night after, you know, recounting your experiences of the day and trying to take stock of what you've accomplished. Like a guy um, restraining and positioning and handling monkeys for (laughs) for a living. Or, Or like a bayman harvesting shellfish or scallops, scallops, fucking hard clams, piss clams, or like a being part of a van club, attending a wet t-shirt contest with your stupid looking, (laughs) although quite cool, in my opinion, airbrushed van, said that there's a guy that had an airbrushed van, and they called him the Philly pervert. And what he did is that he had this air... That was his handle. His his van had a big fat guy with a Buddha belly that was eating something, like engorging himself on some food. And there was a picture of this airbrushed on the side of his van. He's part of a van club. This is why people that drive... Um, we Stereotypes... This is why stereotypes exist, perhaps of people who drive vans and are, are like molesters or something like that. Uh, perverts. I guess. Yet the guy who told me this story, completely cool, normal, reasonable guy, just telling me a story about a life that he led. He led. Oh, one more thing about the monkeys. My friend said, I said, well, you know, I've seen videos about monkeys throwing shit at people. There's one of like a woman, a family at a zoo, and all these onlookers, they're looking at the monkeys and they're screeching and chasing each other around. And the the monkey takes the, um, like shits in its hand and throws it and goes, and throws it and hits this old lady. They pan, the camera pans it to an old woman and she's got shit all over her face. <laughs> Everybody's fucking cracking up. Terrible. So he said, yeah, they throw shit at you and they try to bite you and they bit me one time and bit my friend. And, um, 
you got to put PPE on if you got to go in to get them for a study. Otherwise, they can bite you. And there's all these procedures that way to do it correctly so that you're going to um, keep the animal safe and keep yourself safe. He said that he goes, yeah, I, sometimes I feed them uh, little ice cream cones with uh, some peanut butter on it or some fluff. I said, you talking about fluff or nutter? He goes, yeah, I, I give them, uh, I'll give them that sometimes. I said, well, that's nice of you. Do they appreciate it? He says, nah, they don't give a shit. They don't care. <laughs> He's talking about how these, you know, it's fucking crazy, man. Anyway, people tell me things and... All this shit is interesting to me. I hope you find it amusing. And don't think that I'm insane for um, creating these little collages. But this is representative of my day. And there's always something exciting going on at Healthy Balance Chiropractic. Did I tell you? I'm fucking tired. I'm hungry. Did I tell you that as I walk out to the truck... There is a an owl. I hear. There is a fucking owl calling a bread above my head. I I I called back. I go. I've called some owls in my day. And sure enough, it would return my call and I go. And it would come back. And I looked up. My confidant Emily comes out. She goes, do you hear the owl? It's a fucking A. She goes, there it is. And I look up and there's this owl's face. A white face peering down at me. Right above Healthy Balance Chiropractic. In a big fucking oak tree limb. On a freezing cold night. 23 degrees. That was a good end of my day. Anyway. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll probably be uh, chatting it up on the podcast again, maybe tomorrow on my way home. Everybody have a great weekend. Love and respect. Be kind to one another.